Hi everyone, Sonali here from Green Queen and welcome to Alt Week Alt Protein Weekly Live. This is our second episode. Joining me is Steve Molino from Clear Current Capital. Um, we're gonna dive right into the news. Um, this week I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick overview of some of the bigger stories we had. So Neat Burger, the British plant-based chain that is backed by you know Lewis Hamilton and Leonardo DiCaprio announced that they closed a successful $18 million Series B. Um, the team behind Food Hack, Climate Hack, and the Hack Summit, which I went to and absolutely loved in case you missed it. I wrote about it last week. They just announced Hack Capital. They emerged from stealth mode with a groundbreaking investment platform that they say will help make it easier for private companies and individuals to raise money and invest in the future of the planet. We've also got UK-based Marlowe Ingredients, which is a which is the parent company of the vegan meat brand Pioneer Corn has collaborated with Danish food startup Tempty Foods to launch a range of meat alternatives made from microprotein. Um, we also got a sneak taste of Solar Foods, the Finnish company making protein from air. Their protein is called Soline, and our correspondent in Singapore tasted it. So make sure you check out what she said. We have I'm a also great very very jealous on that one. I just <laughs> want to say that. <laughs> I'm jealous too. I didn't get to try to taste it, but she did. And uh, hey, news, you know, uh, she loved it. Um, there is a great new report from World Resources Institute about um, China and healthy foods and like no surprises. Um, if China were to adopt a healthier diet, they would improve their metrics across food security, environmental sustainability and health. Both health and food security are high on the agenda for the government. So that's good news also for the planet. Um, and finally, our big story is um, China's Changing Bio debuts microbial dairy. Now, Changing Bio, you might remember, came out of stealth totally out of the blue last year with a $22 million Series A when no one had really ever heard of the company. Um, they've been really quiet ever since. They were supposed to be working on precision fermentation dairy. And now it turns out that they have used, they've gone with microbial protein-based um, cream cheese and yeast made from a yeast they're calling Pluvi. Um, really fun fact, they uh, sourced their yeast from a little town, uh, the Tibetan um, plateau uh, called Shangri-La. So that's a, it's a really big one. China's appetite for dairy is um, actually getting bigger and bigger, which is surprising in a country that is uh, has a large population on the planet that is lactose intolerant. But uh, as the company, I mean, as the country grows and more people get into middle class and food trends take over, the Chinese are eating more and more dairy products, not just milk, but cheese and yogurt and ice cream too. So what say you on the big story, Steve? Yeah, no, so this was an interesting one. And I, I, I haven't spoken with Changing Bio before, so I don't, I, I don't know the details, but I think it's, it sounds interesting because it sounds like they initially said they were going to be a precision fermentation dairy company. Fine. They raised money on that. Um, and then they come out with something different. They're just saying microbial fermentation, which in my mind, I, it sounds like traditional fermentation. Find a microbe. It naturally produces something that's dairy-like. So let that microbe do what it does best. It's, it's it, for me, there's two thoughts. So one, awesome. If you can do that without needing to spend so much on precision fermentation and you can create products that are, are dairy-like, then you should do that. There's no reason to spend as much on precision fermentation. But I've been seeing this a lot. So I see a lot of companies in the space, they raise money saying they're going to do one thing. 
and it's mm -hmm. a hard thing, whether it's cultivated meat or precision fermentation or something like that, or even molecular farming, I'm seeing pivots there. Um, and then their first debut is something that's not the same technology and not the same approach. And I have no, as an investor, I have no problem with that, but like, if it makes sense for the business, but I don't think people realize how often that happens without that, that conversation, including any of the investors that originally backed them. Sometimes investors find out about this pivot through like a, an announcement or a, a, a debut of their, their product. And that I'm always blown away by. Um, huh. And I, I always wonder why that happens. Like, do you not trust your investors? Are you worried about telling them about a pivot? And I you yeah. don't know if that's what happened, that changing bio. Like, I don't know if you know any investors who back them, but I'd be curious if they brought Well, I think I think they, the people that are around them, from my understanding, knew that they were working on multiple things. Just to be clear, they are still working on precision fermentation. They mm -hmm. just are um, wanting to come to market quicker. And it's really interesting because they're taking a bit of a different approach. Um, they really want to get into kind of the B2B space, the, the ingredient space. So they launched at a bakery show. Um, and mm -hmm. the idea was to swap their um, fermentation derived uh, creams for the conventional dairy ones. And they are looking for mass production of protein. So very, very like Chinese in, in, in kind of ethos, like just go for scale, like be practical. Um, I don't think there was any kind of, um, you know, like issue around them changing. I think mm. they are working on a specific goal, which is to like replace the dairy ingredients in B2B applications. And so for that. them, the other, the one of the main reasons that they went for this is the regulatory bump, right? So mm -hmm. if they, precision fermentation is not approved in China um, mm -hmm. and microbial fermentation, yeast-based alternatives are, and I actually mm -hmm. know, I, like you, I know of many startups that are, you know, they 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 said they were doing one thing and they they are they're doing another. And even for me as media, it can be um, a bit tricky because we report on a story thinking that they're using one technology, and then you know six months later they've changed their technology. So it's like, is our earlier story wrong? You know. So mm -hmm. I do. It's something that we've had to get used to being like in this space and covering it. Um, I think that my advice to startups would be uh, call your investors and be honest. Um, your investors want to support you and you should definitely be updating them if you are changing a major technology. And I would also say to startups that are listening, you know, be really clear in your press release um, and, and, you know, be really upfront. I don't think there's anything wrong with pivoting, but I think for, for me, what, what makes me feel shady is when, when I feel like the story changes and no one's being clear about that, about that. Um, yeah. And that is what I don't love. You know, no, I agree with you. I agree with you fully. And and I love, as an investor, I love pivoting if it's in the best interest of the, the company long-term. And if it's getting, if it's helping you commercialize and get things out there that are honestly, they, they have the the taste, texture, experience, or whatever whatever you're trying to offer, that if it's offering what you want. My only real advice now, and I said this to another company the other day that did do a, a, a pivot, started precision fermentation, then they came out with plant-based, and they said they're still working on precision fermentation. Whether changing bio or another company doing something similar my thought is if you get the job done very well with a non-precision fermentation approach run with it like i i don't like i don't see the need to spend so much money on precision fermentation or cultivated if you can do what needs to be done without that and it scales up more because at the end of the day you can't change this food system 
uh, without scale. So if you can scale up faster and it's a good offering, then just run with that. Uh, if you can't and you need precision fermentation, okay, then keep working on it. But uh, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's solid advice. And it sounds like that's kind of how Changing Bio thought about it. I mean, this is yeah. big news. I, we are not going to move the dial on a lot of our food-related GHG emissions it, without getting China involved. And so it's mm -hmm. really great to see like this like big move by a company that is well-funded in China. And it's you know it's really the only fermentation based kind of dairy dairy company in China. So yeah. it's really exciting. And and I, I you know the fact that they launched at a major conventional baking food baking expo in Shanghai, like go team, you know, really exciting. Yeah. So and it sounds awesome. If if it can do what it, what it says and just be plug and play as an ingredient and replace dairy, that's that's exactly I know. It. I'm so excited about the ingredient plug and play um startups. They, they it's just they're not as sexy from a story point of view but they you know especially in the media but they are the ones where we'll see the impact um yes, so what else what else spoke to you i mean obviously big shout out to our friends at hack capital um yeah. what do you think about as an investor this idea of like kind of disrupting how we invest in companies and like the importance of bringing um angel investors and and, and smaller investors into climate tech and food tech under that yeah i think there's a lot of value to that so especially for the super early stage companies when um, when they're really not trying, it's really difficult to have 50 different investors or angels on your cap table. Uh, and it makes it super messy long-term. If you could have that in some aggregated manner where it's one line item uh, through a syndicate, that's, that's amazing. And there's a lot of value to bring in a large group of small investors because those people might have different backgrounds and skill sets that could all be helpful to a company. Uh, so if you have, let's call it 20 angels who are ex-entrepreneurs, investors working for for uh, big strategics, they could all add value in different ways. So I I, I like that. And I, I do like that this is more focused on impact because I don't know that this is entirely new. I don't know the details, right? I need to talk to the team at, at Hack to know the, the real details, but there's angel lists. There's other platforms that try to syndicate angel tickets. Um, but I don't know of any that are focusing on it from a pure impact standpoint. So I like it. I think this is awesome. Um, and that team is just incredible. I love that. Yeah, the hack team. there's such a great team. Um, hack Summit was brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. What they've done in just a few short years is brilliant. I think that um, there's a lot of conversations and certainly I'm having them a lot around, you know, what kind of capital models do we need for mm -hmm. um, a world where we need to invest in solutions that you know need longer runways than 10 years, which is like the typical kind of lifespan of a fund, or they we need to be thinking about KPIs and measurement of success differently because there is this impact element. And I mean, I certainly don't have any answers right now, but I think anything that is kind of testing out new ways of, of doing things and, and also de democratizing investments is a really kind of big theme right now that I'm hearing across the board, whether it's democratizing, like bring more women into it, bring more minorities into it, but also bringing more kind of non high net worth individuals into it and just like regular folks. Um, and I think, I think as a person, you know, who's working, it, it's, it's fun to have like a, a small portion of your capital um, working towards, you know, bigger impact things rather than just stocks and bonds and the, you know, real estate. So mm -hmm. it, I think this kind of, it's a, 
it's a story that speaks to like kind of all the changes that are happening in, in society yeah. and kind of how younger generations are thinking about things. You know, there, there's mm -hmm. a lot more founders, there's a lot more entrepreneurs, there's a lot more angel investors. Um, go on LinkedIn, you know, it feels like everyone is angel investing. This is a huge change from like 10 years ago. I mean, when I came out of college, I don't, I don't, I didn't know anyone that was angel investing. And now I feel like people are graduating college and they're already angel investing. So, you know, it's great. Um, yeah, no, you know? I, I love yeah. it. I love that. And and I think that they're going to really make an impact in the space. Um, and then just other, some really quick ones that I thought were interesting and uh, they just stood out to me. So, so one is just like uh, mind blown, which is, which is a plant-based seafood company. They're now going to be offered for maybe a limited time or maybe long-term at, at plant burger. Um, so I just, I love plant burgers, things like plant burger, veggie grill, which we talked about. There's certain, there's certain food service change that they bring on. They, they bring on the, the newest, the coolest alt protein products, whether it's plant-based or mycelium. And uh, like I know meaty is also at Plant Burger. Um, we need more of those. So I love that. That just stood out to me. Um, I know you and I, we're going to talk about Sodexo in a little bit, but um, two other quick things. One is I the, the World Resource Institute, they came out saying that um, basically there's uh, there's a report that shows that if, if China adopted the 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 dietary guidelines that they put out, I think in 2016, that it would be better for people's health, food security, sustainability. All I'm thinking this whole time is like, man, I wish the U.S. would have have some support from the government from the top down on dietary um, guidelines that are actually good for people and the planet. So I don't know what they're doing in China to get that done, but I, we need to get it done in the U.S. Uh, and then just the last thing, impossible motif, another back and forth, like just I think they're talking about private investigators to figure out details. Just stop wasting your money fighting each <laughs> other and focus on growing your businesses in the space. It's so stupid. I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> oh God, guys, you listen to Steve and just quit it, quit while you're ahead, like move on. Um, a yeah. couple of really good stories that, that I saw, oh, congrats to Big Idea Ventures. They announced the first close of their new protein fund too. So they're one of the big accelerators in the food tech space. I mean, they've backed hundreds of the startups in, in our, in our sector. So that's great. We need, you know, more support of early stage startup. We need more ideas. We need more founders to try. I mean, that's, you know, we, 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 we always need more innovation. So that's great. Um, I also wanted to shout out to Cellular Agriculture Europe. They released a response to what they called an organized misinformation campaign regarding the environmental impact of cultivated products. That's in reference to that UC Davis study that basically said that, you know, cultivated meat may have a worse uh, environmental footprint due to energy and other um, issues around, you know, what was the medium used, et cetera. Um, we we have some detailed stuff about this on Green Queen, but um, just remember, everybody, that wasn't a peer-reviewed study. So if you cite it, just be very clear that it is a very specific study. And GFI, Cellular Agriculture Europe, ProVeg, all of them have released um, statements about you know the issues that they have with that with that campaign. So I'll I'll skip over it, but just just wanted to call that out. Some really good news from the big food players uh, globally. You had the chief marketing and innovation Nest, uh, officer at Nestle, Mel Cash, who said that basically the CPG has zero plans to scale back its presence in the plant-based space. Um, and reason being, many consumers are interested in having options to choose 
from when they eat or drink. So I think what that tells you is that plant-based is here to stay. The thesis for why we need plant-based products on the shelves and, and in the market is not going anywhere. And also it's now also become a, an issue of choice. Um, also Unilever, same along the same lines, announced that it's aiming to achieve 1.5 billion in sales, euros, that's euros, from plant-based products by 2025 as part of its climate-related goals. Another major reason to uh, invest in plant-based foods um, they count towards your decarbonization goals if you're a big food company. And that brings us to the last story that we're going to end with, which is, Steve, take yeah. it away with Sodexo. Yeah, so so it, it came out, so basically in, in a first-of-its-kind study, the, the big food service player, Sodexo, they said they identified a viable path toward achieving its ambitious climate commitments. And they said that to do that, it's it's making plant-based the default on its, on its, and wherever they're, they're serving food. And for me, obviously this is great. It, it highlights this idea of reducing scope three emissions by selling more plant-based versus animal-based products and all that. But I love this one so much because I have this personal obsession with behavioral economics and basically how people make decisions, whether it's around money or choices and the power of defaults is, is immense. And people don't recognize that by just saying, we're going to make plant-based the default. We're not going to take away the option from consumers if they want to eat something different, but making plant-based the default, it naturally leads to a massive uptake in whatever that default is. So in this case, I, I think that this is, it shows a genuine step forward in having consumers through Sodexo make plant-based uh, choices. And I, I would love to see this default plant-based be more wide scale. I have, um, I could literally spend an hour talking about this. I've done a ton of mm -hmm. research into this and I think this is going to be one of the big levers of how we actually get more plant-based um, eating going on. Mm -hmm. um, what a lot of people don't realize is that for food service companies, they cannot reach their scope three emissions goals without actually um, pushing more plant-based menu items on the 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 food kind of offerings they serve, whether it's at schools, at corporate cafeterias, prison cafeterias, hospital cafeterias. So um, this plant-based by default thing, you are going to start seeing it all the time. There was a there there was a really good pilot done at LinkedIn San Francisco office last year. We like covered it in Green Queen, and they worked with a company actually, or sort of an NGO. I think it's an NGO called Greener by Default, which like helps mm. um, companies like Sodexo. Um, create these kind of environments and 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 it's called choice architecture is really yep. the technical term where you basically make it so that one choice is um, more attractive than another or easier or more accessible than another. So there are all kinds of things you can do, like make um, the menu items, the descriptions more interesting, um, focus more on things like seasonal and fresh vegetables. Um, don't maybe use words like plant-based or vegan, just focus on the, the dish, uh, incorporate much more interesting, uh, different cuisines and flavors to make it fun. But it's also can be something simple, like in the LinkedIn office, in the coffee bar, they just replaced all the milk with oat milk. And mm. what was really fascinating is not only did they get no complaints during the trial, um, no one even noticed. And That's just I that, love that alone, <laughs> had a huge impact on the GHG emissions of, of that period. So choice architecture and making the, the choice by default such a powerful tool in our toolbox 
you know, that we're not thinking about enough. And for most people, if it's delicious and it fulfills their nutritious, uh, nutrient needs, um, and it's accessible and easy, they're not going to question or complain about it much. And that's yeah. what we have to keep remembering. And so, no, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that it's just exciting to see someone as big as Sodexo do this because if a, an, an individual restaurant does it, great. I love that. But this is a bit more at scale. And exactly. I'm very, and I'm excited to get the data. At some point, they'll have data on like, well, how did this change consumer behavior? They already have a little bit, right? They have like a, a yeah, little study. Yeah, there's pilots did. everywhere. But yeah, right. yeah, I'm, 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 there's so much more to come here. So I, I think we're going to talk about this more. Um, Compass Group is doing exciting stuff like this in the UK too. I mean, this is everywhere. And these companies are huge and global and have huge scale. So this is where we move the needle. So yeah. that's a great one to end on. Um, thanks so much, Steve. See you next week. So much Thank more to you. unpack. There's so much news all the time. All the news. <laughs> all the news so all much. the time. <laughs> Thanks so much.